Uh, let's have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through to 15. This is the uh, other part of the Bible where the Ten Commandments are listed. We've been based in Exodus, uh, but we're going to be just looking at this in Deuteronomy, which is given about 40 years after the first set of the Ten Commandments. And it says this, uh, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Should we just take a moment to pray? Dearest, loving Heavenly Father, your word is designed to bring life. Your word is not designed to make us less than human. It's designed to make us fully human. And so I pray by your spirit this morning, both through what I say and what we hear, that we will be attentive to your presence this morning. And that we will honestly look at our lives and bring them as an offering to you. Making changes or thinking about things in new ways if necessary. But under the guidance of your Holy Spirit. And all people wish that Greg will make sense and said, Amen. Amen. Well, the fourth commandment is one of those commandments, isn't it, where sometimes you can sort of put it to one side a little bit. Um, over the last few weeks, we've looked at commandments one to three, and Aaron's really helpfully unpacked them. And we've, we've agreed very vocally with that. Have no other gods before me. Yes. Amen. Don't make any idols. Amen. I'll get rid of that golden calf from my living room as soon as I get home. <laughs> Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Absolutely not. Amen. Keep the Sabbath. Not sure. Does that, does that one apply to me? And then we're moving forward. We'll be thinking about don't steal. Absolutely not. Don't lie. No, of course not. Don't murder. No, of course I won't do that. Keep the Sabbath. Not sure. It's an interesting one, I think. Sometimes we can be happier to have a Mars a day to keep help us work, rest and play than to have a Sabbath a week to keep us humble and meek. Now, that was Liz. Liz thought of that one, actually. <laughs> it, was that, it was that good. So this morning we're going to see that the Sabbath, the call to Sabbath, is a call to, is an act of obedience and it's an act of resistance. Uh, in the NIV translation, so thinking about it as an act of uh, obedience first of all, in the NIV translation, the word count for this, this commandment is 32%. 32% of this commandment is given over, to, uh, of the whole of the Ten Commandments is given over to this particular uh, one. It's, it's as if God's thinking to himself, you know what, do not steal, that's fairly obvious. Keep the Sabbath, he's going to need a bit of explaining. It's going to need a little bit, our people are going to resist that one. So let's really spell it out for them. So 32% of the word count is uh, given over to this commandment. And so Sabbath is basically means to cease. It just means to cease. Not necessarily from work. It just means cease. Stop. Rest. Pause. 
but it also can mean to delight. So if you want a definition of Sabbath, what is Sabbath? Sabbath is a time to cease, rest, and to delight in God. I think it's John Mark Comer in his book, The uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says rest and worship. That's what we do in Sabbath. And this morning, I'm not going to go through some of the things that we can do on Sabbath because I don't want to get into a legalism of what we should do this and we shouldn't do that and so on. Um, Aaron did a really helpful message in February on resting with Jesus. And if you remember, he talked about the clangers uh, and he talked about the different things you can do to rest and to play. So I'd really recommend that message if you want to think a little bit more about what to do or not do on the Sabbath. But the people are told to, to remember to observe the Sabbath. Did you notice the remember bit? didn't say observe the Sabbath. It says remember to observe the Sabbath, which suggests that there's a temptation to forget or to not do it. So remember to observe the Sabbath. Uh, and this runs through the Old Testament. So just let me give you a few scriptures briefly. Uh, Exodus 34 verse 21 says, You must stop working even during the seasons of ploughing and harvest. So it's as if God said that people are saying, yeah, but what about ploughing and harvest? That's really, really important. No, even if you think you need to, don't. Exodus 31, 15 says it should be a day of complete rest. Leviticus 19, I love this one. Leviticus 19, verse 30 says this, keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence towards my sanctuary. And I spoke a little bit about this a little while ago when we were talking about rest. The idea that the sanctuary, the temple, the tabernacle was the presence of God in place sabbath is the presence of god in time so we're making time to have that foretaste of being with god forever that's what we're doing when we have sabbath and then this one i love this one if you have any verse to put on the fridge after today's sermon then this is the one isaiah 58 verse 13 enjoy the sabbath and speak of it with delight as the lord's holy day enjoy the sabbath and enjoy and speak of it in delight now the trouble is in the old testament is that there are quite serious consequences for not observing the sabbath so just guide yourself just make sure you're sitting comfortably for this bit this is the not quite so positive bit because in exodus 31 verse 14 it says this anyone who desecrates it must be put to death and anyone who works on that day must be put to death oh dear Numbers 15, verse 32, 36, again, uh, a story where a man goes out to collect sticks on the Sabbath and they catch him. And uh, God says to Moses, you should put that person to death. And so they stone this person to death. So do not collect sticks on the Sabbath. Jeremiah 17, verses 19 to 27, he prophesies over the people in Jerusalem who have been trading on the Sabbath. And notice how he phrases it in verse 24. He says this, if you obey me, then kings and their officials will always ride in and out of these gates forever. There'll be a positive blessing if you observe the Sabbath. But verse 27, if you do not listen to me and refuse to keep the Sabbath holy, I will set fire to these gates. So there's a really clear choice for the people as to whether they should keep the Sabbath. Nehemiah talks to the people who are trading on the Sabbath and says this, um, wasn't it just this sort of thing that your ancestors did that caused God to bring all this trouble on us and our city? So there's quite a somber, there's quite a serious implication throughout the Old Testament that we should, that there'll be consequences of keeping the Sabbath, there'll be blessings, but there'll be consequences of not keeping the Sabbath. Now I know, I know that there'll be at least one or two people listening or watching or being here this morning. So, well, hang on a minute, Graham. You're only in the Old Testament. What about Jesus? 
What about, the, what about living under grace instead of under law? And of course, that is true. We live under grace, we live under faith in Jesus. We are not slaves to the law. You are not going to get stoned if you go out and collect sticks on the Sabbath. Jesus did not keep to the rigid laws that had grown up around Sabbath keeping. He, he didn't do that. In Luke 6, 13, 14, and John 5, he, uh, there are stories of Jesus healing on the Sabbath, and he's really clear that that's an important and good thing to do. Jesus and his disciples are criticized for breaking Sabbath by collecting grain. And Jesus defends the disciples and said, no, that's an okay thing to do. They were hungry. It's an important thing to eat on the Sabbath. Mark, 12 and verse, uh, Mark 2 and Matthew 12, um, that story happens. And Jesus says that man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. And he was Lord of the Sabbath. And um, in Luke 13 and John 7, he criticizes the Pharisees for not keeping, or for keeping Sabbath hip, in a hip, hypocritical way. And then, of course, we have Paul's teaching in Romans. In Romans 14 and Colossians 2 verse 16, he warns against being judgmental about other people's practices. and say we should not be judging other people by whether they keep the Sabbath or not. We shouldn't be judging people's spirituality by whether they observe this holy day or that holy day. And I think that's really important. So please, this morning, do not hear me say that you have to keep the Sabbath, and if you don't, there'll be terrible consequences for you. Um, and if somebody else isn't keeping the Sabbath, you should tut, tut, tut at them because they are clearly less Christian than you are. That is not what we're saying this morning. However, I was interested in Romans 14, verse 5, where Paul says this, you should each be fully convinced that whichever, you choose, whichever day you choose should be acceptable. Now, that to me suggests two things. Number one, it suggests that you should choose a day. It doesn't have to be a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, we all have different patterns of life and different rhythms, and it does need to fit in with that. We have different commitments. It needs to fit in with that. But we do need to maybe choose a day, a period of 24 hours. And secondly, he says, be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Be fully convinced. That suggests it's something that we need to think through, that we need to, apply, we need to work out to ourselves, how am I going to apply the principle of Sabbath? How am I going to apply this commandment to my own life? And I'm going to be fully convinced of what I am doing. And that fully being fully convinced should mean that we are living the rest that God wants us to have. At some point in our week, we should be doing that. It's not new. Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, we see the beginning of Sabbath as God institutes this idea of a day when he's not working, when he's not creating on that seventh day. He could have had a, a six-day week and then gone straight back to day one, but he didn't. He instituted day seven. And I love this in Exodus 31, verse 17, it says this, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Have you ever wondered about whether God needed to be refreshed or not? Why would God need to be refreshed? The creator of everything need to be refreshed. Well, the word refreshed in Hebrew means to breathe in, literally to breathe in. So God has spent six days creating, talking, words of life and creation, bringing everything into being, giving out, giving out, breathing out. And on the seventh day, he breathes in. And I think that's a God-ordained rhythm that is good for us. Six days of breathing out, one day of breathing in you still may not be convinced you still may not think well Graham just a minute we're still it's still an Old Testament thing let me just share one further idea with you on this theme uh, you may have heard this word of before karoshi and I hope I pronounced it correctly karoshi is a word you find in Japan it was introduced in 1969 
uh, and it means death by overwork. It was a word they did not have prior to 1969 in their ancient language, but in 1969 they needed a word to describe the phenomenon of people who were working too hard and who were dying as a result. And since then, Japan, uh, sorry, China and South Korea have both had to introduce words that mean death by overwork. It can be tragic if we don't take the rest. It does get cheerier. It does get cheerier. Let me just share you one other story before we move on. Uh, way back when, when I was 18, a long, long time ago, I spent a year, uh, six months in France, and the, uh, working in a school. And one of the teachers said to me one day, Graham, I'm going, I've got a wedding in the Alps at the weekend. Would you like to come to the wedding, or would you like to come with me? And you can stay in a youth hostel and go walking in the Alps while I'm at the wedding. That sounded wonderful to me. So we got in the car after school on the Friday. We set off down the motorway. It was quite a long journey. It was a nice warm day. And as we were driving down the motorway, it was lovely and clear. There was no cars on the road. It was a beautiful day. And as we were driving down, I was just looking ahead. And all of a sudden, we, start, we moved from the slow lane to the middle lane. And I thought, that's, a, that's slightly strange because there's no car to overtake. Never mind. It's a different view. Um, so, and then a little bit later, we moved from the middle lane to the fast lane. And again, I thought, that's strange, there's no cars to overtake. Then we started moving from the fast lane towards the crash barrier. At that point, I thought, I better check everything's okay. So I turned to look at the driver, and they were asleep. So I did something fairly British, like, excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> would, you, would you mind terribly getting back on the road? <laughs> Uh, and fortunately, they did, and, and uh, we found a, uh, a, a, a lay-by, and they said, I'm just so sorry, I'm just so, so tired, I just need to rest. And they took an hour, and there was me sitting on the side of the road in France, twiddling my thumbs while they had to sleep. We need rest. God has ordained that we should have rest. So I guess the first question this morning is, are we taking that rest? Are we obeying this commandment? Or is it one that we put to one side? Have a moment to think about that as we look at our second point this morning. Are we okay to look at a second point? No one's going to walk out just yet. That's okay. Because it's not only an act of obedience. Sabbath is also an act of resistance. It's not just an act of obedience. It's an act of resistance. If we go back to that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that I was talking about at the beginning, that I read at the beginning... Uh, the reason I chose that one is because there are two bits to it that are different to the Exodus account. And the two bits that are different are, first of all, in verse 14, it says, all your servants must rest as you do. And secondly, in verse 15, it says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but your Lord, your God, brought you out with his strong and powerful hand. And this is why he has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. There's a very, very clear link in this commandment for the people of God that the reason they're called to keep Sabbath is because they were slaves. You spotted that. They were slaves. What were they slaves in? They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Pharaoh's economy. And Pharaoh's economy was the economy of more, more, more. Make more bricks. Build more pyramids. Do more for me. Don't rest. Don't stop. More 
more, more, more. No days off, no Sabbaths. It was a kingdom of exploitation and it was a kingdom of acquisition. And so the first thing that God does when he brings the people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, or through the Red Sea, and into their new land, the first thing he says to them is, have a day off. Take a break. You have been living under an economy of more, 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 gain, 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 do more, do more, do more, stop, have a rest. And that was an act of resistance. It was, a, it was a day to call, to silence the call for more. That's what a Sabbath is. It's not just for us to rest. It's not just for ourselves. It's for our world. It's not just for ourselves. It's for our neighbours. It's not just for us. It's for our communities. Because as we rest, we stop that. We, we, we make a statement that we're not going to subscribe to the more, more, more culture. And that's why Sabbath is so important. Amos 8 verse 5 says this, You cannot wait for the Sabbath to be over, so you cannot get back to cheating the helpless. People were just twiddling their thumbs on the Sabbath, waiting and thinking and plotting about how they could then make more money the next day. That's not Sabbath. Sabbath is switching off. Sabbath is ceasing. Sabbath is delighting in God and thinking about how our lifestyle impacts on other people. Are we contributing to a culture of more, more, more 24-7? Or are we standing up against it? It wasn't just the people, it was the land as well. In uh, Nehemiah 10 verse 31, it says this, every seventh year we will let our land rest and we will cancel all the debts owed to us. Exodus 23 uh, verses 10 to 12. Let the land be renewed and lie uncultivated during the seventh year. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working. This gives your ox, your donkey, a chance to rest. It also allows the foreigners living among you to be refreshed. So it's an act of resistance because our land needs rest, doesn't it? Our land needs rest. We need rest. Our neighbours need rest. And finally, it was an act of uh, resistance against an exclusive culture. Um, in Deuteronomy 23, there are a, there's a list of people who are not part of the community of God. Of, of, it's a quite a strict list of people. I won't read it now because we've had enough gloomy, gloomy scripture today. But there, there is a list of all of these people. And then in Isaiah 56, he rewrites it. And he says this. First of all, in verse 2, he says this. Blessed are those who honour my Sabbath days of rest. So that's Everybody, all the people in the community of God. And then verse 4, he says this, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy. And that was one of the group of people who were previously excluded from the people of God. And then in verse 6, he says this, I will also bless the foreigners who do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest. So he's saying, actually, the, 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 the boundaries of the community of the people of God are widening. There are more people who can come into the community of God than we thought possible. And what is the characteristic? What is the thing that allows them in? Isaiah says it's people who observe the Sabbath. That's what marks you out. We've talked about identity in this series. And that's what our identity is as the people of God. It's people who observe Sabbath. It marks us out as different from the world around us. Where we say no, sorry, no to the culture of more, more, more. And yes to the culture of rest and delight in God. Sabbath is a commandment to build community. It's not an individualistic call. It's a call to community. God didn't give these commandments to individuals. He gave them to, an indi to a community. 
said this is how you should be marked out as the people of God. The, uh, I'm really grateful to God uh, for allowing me to learn. I'm not an expert at all in Sabbath. And I, th- I, like many of you, I'm sure, find it the thing that comes under attack the most often. When I've said I'm going to give time to God or I'm going to give time to do this, things come up that make it really hard to do that. But I'm really grateful to God for, for teaching me the principle, at least, even if I'm not very good at practicing it. Many years ago when Liz and I were engaged, and uh, Liz, I used to work in uh, Ashburton, uh, down in Dartmoor and Liz lived in, worked and lived in Torquay uh, during the week and the only time that I could get to see her was on a Wednesday night and in order to get to see her as a newly qualified teacher what I had to do was I had to leave my bag and my books at school get in the car drive to Torquay from Ashburton which is a horrible journey if you've ever done it there's no speedy way to get from Ashburton to uh, it just takes forever then spends the evening with Liz and then drive back to Exeter where I lived and then back again uh, to Ashburton to pick up my bag on the Thursday morning and I, I there was no way that I could do any work on a Wednesday night so I just made that decision from week one I'm just going to leave my stuff at school walk out on the bell go to Ashburton go to Torquay and see Liz and that's that's what I did um, and the number of people I don't think there's any action I've ever taken that more people have come up to me and said Graham where's your bag where's your books why haven't you got your, why aren't you, uh, and I'd say, oh, I'm going to see Liz, I can't do any work tonight. And they'd say, I wish I could do that. Not see Liz, um, just, uh, <laughs> although, that was, uh, um, I wish I could just leave everything in the office. I said, well, you can, it's really simple, you just leave it in the office, and then you walk out. Uh, and for that, we did that for a year, and I'm so grateful for God for giving me that discipline of being able to say no. I'm not going to give their culture of more, more, more. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if, if I'm getting it wrong, so, so many people are asking me, if I'm getting it wrong, maybe then it will be, uh, someone will tell me that I'm getting it wrong and then I'll review it. So if I'm not doing my job properly, someone will tell me. But nobody ever did. And so for my working life, those 31 years of teaching, I always made sure that I had time where I said no to doing that kind of work. Let's bring this to a close it might be that you are struggling with the idea of sabbath it could be and i I am sensitive to this maybe you've got significant caring responsibilities maybe you've got very young children maybe you've got a job that can't be easily paused there may be all sorts of reasons why sabbath and pausing and delighting is difficult for you but we're community we're family and so we should be talking and praying through that. And, and if there's something community can do to help, to release you, to allow you to rest, and that's something we should be doing as community. The idea of Sabbath can be challenging. Perhaps it's because it deals with the concept of time. Maybe it's because it's something that time is something we think belongs to us. We're in control of our time. But I believe that God can do more in six days than, we can, than I can in seven God can do more in six than I do in seven. We talk about tithing uh, of our money, which is really important, on the belief that God can do more with 90% than he can with 100%. I think that's true of time as well. Band, if I could ask you to pop up, if that's okay. It gives us the notion uh, that I'm needed 24-7 if we don't take Sabbath, that I'm indispensable. It means recognising that I'm reliant on God to meet my needs rather than myself. Remember that story, the first time Sabbath mentioned in the Old Testament is just before the Ten Commandments, is when the the Israelites are wandering, uh, walking through the wilderness and uh, God feeds them. He provides manna for them and he gives them manna on six days 
And then on the seventh day, he says, no, I'll give you two days worth. Uh, I will provide for your needs. God will provide for our needs. Tomorrow will be a complete day of rest. It means behaving in a way that considers the effects that we have on other people. Who is having to work for us on our Sabbath? Robert Morris in his talks on the Ten Commandments says this, some people think that the Ten Commandments are old fashioned. They're not old fashioned, he says, they're well fashioned. They are well fashioned for the life we live today. They're not a relic of the Old Testament. They're something that God says to you and to me, Graham, will you keep Sabbath? Will you take a break? Will you cease and delight in me? Can I invite you to stand? And I'll just lead us in prayer. Just really briefly, I don't mean to speak words that might be interpreted as condemnation or judging. Please, Lord God, let my words not be heard like that. But I wonder this morning if there's anyone here who is in the concept of Sabbath at least still in the Pharaoh economy, still in a place of a kingdom that says more, more, more. A kingdom of productivity, a cycle of acquisition that says, I just need to be busy all of the time. And God says this morning, I've brought you out of Egypt. I've brought you through the Red Sea and I have delivered you from that fear. I have delivered you from that culture. I have delivered you from that kingdom. You are free to rest. You are free to delight in me. So if there's anything holding us back, circumstances, intellectual arguments, whatever it is that's holding us back from taking Sabbath, could I invite you, as Paul says, to become fully convinced how and when you should spend Sabbath. What do we want this morning? We don't want you to put your hands up and say, yes, I'm gonna go and change my lifestyle completely. I don't want to put you in that position, but I do want you to commit to going from here and think through, pray through Sabbath. God says, take a break. God says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. There is nothing, there is nothing that should hold us back from being in the presence of God. Take breaks, take a Sabbath, take rest. Speak with somebody, pray with somebody. And I don't offer this, offer this lightly or often. But if you would like to meet up with a cup of coffee to talk about it, please let me know. I'll be really glad to take some time to, to chat it through with you. Let's worship the God who rescued us out of Pharaoh's kingdom.